Oh, that's an age-old argument. Does the toilet paper go over or under? Over. It does. It does go over. Make sure you tell your neighbor it goes over for sure. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Andrew, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff at CBC. We're so glad you guys are with us today, and you are in for a, a treat. I have got a friend of mine that I'm going to introduce here in just a moment. But let me just start off by saying happy Mother's Day to all the amazing women in our, in our, in our church. We're so grateful for you guys, and I know that I am better because of you. Hi, Mom. I know you're watching online. I love you. And, uh, and to my wife and our, and our amazing kids. She's a fantastic mother. If you haven't had a chance yet, please, please, please make sure that you go and register for the amazing giveaway that we have, which includes a $75 gift certificate for house cleaning. And that is just outside of our double doors on the right-hand side, our Connection Center. Uh, if you haven't registered, make sure you do and register for those special women in your life. I, I can't register for my wife because I'm on staff. And so Scott said, well, you can register for my wife. I thought, well, I could do that. That's good. Double whammy. Hey, listen, last week we started a brand new series that we're calling Vox. And Vox is a music term, which means voice. And it is in line with a whole series of sermons and messages that we're giving this year in response to what we really feel like God is calling us to as a church. Early on in 2017, we began praying as a leadership team and as a staff and as pastors about what God wants to do in our church specific to us where we're at. And the thing that we kept coming back to over and over again is that God really wanted us to go into a season in 2018 of growth, that we feel we're called to grow in our knowledge of God, in our relationship with God. We're called to grow in our relationship with one another, uh, in, in, in our church in general. And so everything that we've done this year and will do throughout the remainder of the year is to help us grow. And I could not think of a more important way of growing than in our voice series, our Vox series. And what it means literally is it means uh, this series is four part. Last week we, we kicked off with kind of a big introduction, but the Vox series is all about hearing, knowing, and responding to the voice of God. And I'm not sure about you, but where religion is concerned, and as you start talking about the voice of God, it can seem twofold, ambiguous and overwhelming. And what I mean by that is when you start looking at how God speaks throughout history, when you look at specifically the Old Testament and you see some pretty crazy manifestations like a talking donkey, and you see a burning bush, and you see that God speaks through uh, angels, and God speaks through supernatural manifestations, and God speaks through prophets and with oracles and God speaks through uh, circum, you know, like just he, he, over and over again, he, he, he reiterates what he's saying and he speaks in all kinds of ways. He speaks through an audible voice. He, he, he speaks in, in just craziness. What we do then is we have a propensity to look at how God has always spoken throughout the course of time and we expect God to, we expect the seas to part literally. If for me, it'd just be nice if the drivers would part in Blair as I'm driving. That would be my sea. That'd be a modern miracle. I, I need a staff. Maybe I don't have a staff. That's the problem. If you ever see me get out of my truck and walk out and just go like this, I expect you to pull over. That's, that's what we're, I, I did pass somebody on the way to church this morning, but it was 5 a.m. I don't think they knew it was me. It was a semi. But there are so many ways that God speaks to us. 
in scripture and, and we look at it and we say, ah, does, does God still speak that way? And uh, can God speak to me that way? And does God speak to me? And is what I'm hearing the voice of God or is it the bad pizza I had last night? There's so many questions about how God speaks. And if we're honest, sometimes it's just really weird how God speaks in the Bible. And we, so we look at this and we say, what do I do with this? I want to hear God's voice and I want to know God's voice. I don't even know where to begin. Go. <laughs> Let me introduce my friend up here. This, this is Dr. Scott Booth. Scott is a great friend of mine. We met just a little over a year ago here at church. He and his wife Anna and their family call Country Bible Church their home. And we started with a dinner and a conversation that ensued all about education. And one of the things I've learned early on in my life and in ministry is to surround myself with people that are better than me because it makes me look good. And so Scott is one of those guys in my life that is just better than me. He is one of the most brilliant Bible minds on the planet, in my humble opinion. He is a genius with the scriptures. He is good looking. He is intelligent. He's a sharp dressed man. What else was I supposed to say? Hold on. He's, hey, you let, you know what happened? Speaking of the Bible, you know the Bible, Old Testament really well, right? Yeah. Isn't there a story in the Old Testament about some kids who are making fun of a bald guy? Yes. Yeah. Ba- bears eat them. Bears eat them. Yeah. Keep it up. I'm going to make fun of my bald head again. We, uh, we bald is the new beautiful, just for the record. We this morning, guys, we are so privileged. Uh, most of you know my journey in that uh, I've been in ministry 21 years and I have a degrees and I've done some really cool things. But one of the things I'm committed to as a leader is continuing to learn. And I had an opportunity through Scott to start attending Pillar Seminary just to continue my education and to be better. And I took him up on that invitation. And so almost, in fact, I just I'll finished my final classes uh, for the first year this, this next couple weeks. And uh, it's been an amazing journey so far. But as I've grown to, to know Scott, both as a professor and as a friend, also as somebody in ministry, I have come to really, really appreciate and respect his knowledge of the Word of God. And he is the resident Old Testament uh, scholar at Pillar Seminary and a lecturer and teacher. And so I've invited Scott to the stage today to help us make sense of what so often doesn't make sense. And what we're going to do today is we're going to hear a whole lot of ideas about Scripture and, 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 and voices of God and different things. And then we're going to look at the New Testament and how they parallel. What I want you to know today is you're going to be frustrated by the time you leave. Not any different than any other Sunday. But with this, we are going to try to unpack years of seminary into 40 minutes of conversation. And so today is not intended to be exhaustive by any stretch of the imagination. Generally, I would start every single message with, please grab your Bible and turn to. We're not going to do that today because we just wouldn't have time to go all the way through it. So I want to encourage you to grab something to write with and a piece of paper that you can take notes on in this journey. And it will be a journey. You guys ready? All right, let's have some fun this morning on Mother's Day and talk about the voice of God. And let me start with one of the ones that people often ask and misunderstand. Prophecy. What is prophecy? Is prophecy a thing that used to happen but doesn't still happen? Is there, like, where are we at with this? Uh, does 
it's just one of those weird things we hear some people say, hey, I'm a prophet, I'm this. Scott. Okay. So, I'm going to try not to change my voice a lot this time. Huh? All right. Um, okay. So, prophecy is a thing in the ancient world. Uh, one of the ways that ancient people would hear from and talk to uh, their gods. You know, it's totally weird, but there are other prophets in the ancient world than just the ones in the Bible. There are prophets for, you know, the bad gods, too. Uh, so, What's important to understand about prophets uh, is that when God is, uh, sits down with Israel, let's go with it, and he says, look, here's how we're going to have a relationship. This is how we're going to talk. Uh, Israel kind of sits forward and listens and says, okay, great, what's, what's okay? Uh, because in their head, there's this long list of possible ways to talk to gods. Prophecy is one. There's lots of types of divination, sorcery. There's mediums and there's witchcraft. There's reading the birds, you know, the flight patterns of birds. The stars, astrology, water and oil and what's it show you and all kinds of, you know, super weird stuff. And God, God knows that they're, they are aware of all of these very different types of communicating with uh, that people communicate with their gods. And God says... Like Starbucks, when you get the foam, you get the milk on top, and they can actually do pictures in there. Should I read into that? Okay, that's actually really interesting. So, <laughs> Nope, we have 30 minutes. All right. So, ish, ish. <laughs> all right, ish, they say. Okay, yeah, so it's essentially the same types of stuff that people would do. And, and God is very clear with them. He says, I know you know all these different ways to talk to me, but we're going to do prophecy. That's how I'll talk. I'll talk to you by talking to you. So prophecy is pretty simply just God has a message for, uh, for someone uh, or a group of people and says, hey, Jimmy, I want you to go tell so-and-so this. And that's pretty much it. It, it. The content is typically, this is what I think about what's going on. This is what I think about your behavior in the recent past. This is what I'd like you to change. I'd like you to do this. This thing will come tomorrow. But it's just direct communication. Sometimes, very, very occasionally, it's this is what will happen in 200 years. Because most of the time you don't care, right? Like, that's your kid's problems. That's not your problem. <laughs> so 200 years, that stuff doesn't really matter. What really matters to ancient people, as to us, is... What's going on this summer? What's going on in the fall? Is this thing that seems to be mounting up against me and my family actually going to overtake and kill us? Uh, am I in sin? Did I screw something up? And that's where God will say, hey, go, Jimmy, go tell this church, go tell whatever the following. Um, and that's all prophecy is. It's just a message. Something I do want to make really clear about prophecy, we need to understand is most of the time, when we don't understand something, we just dismiss it. And I think in the 21st century church, a lot of churches don't understand prophecy or a lot of Christians don't understand prophecy. And so we have in our own theology, in our own doctrine, have written it off and said, well, that was for the Old Testament. God used judges and he used prophets and he used uh, those types of things that he doesn't still do that. The problem with 
dismissing prophecy even today as God being able to use an individual or a prophetic word is it's just not in Scripture. Nowhere in Scripture do you ever see where those signs and miracles and prophecies cease. And in fact, people who would argue that prophecy was only uh, dispensationally for a specific time and season, while a prophecy may be for that specific time and season, the gift of prophecy continues on. We know this, that it did not cease on the day of Pentecost because... If you look at the epistles, Paul will later on write 50, 60, in some cases 70 years later, and he will say, some are called to be apostles, some are called to be teachers, some are called to be pastors, some are called to be prophets. If it were not important and if it were not still applicable, the apostle Paul would not have been talking about it nearly a decade later. So let's be really clear about that. But with prophecy... Something we need to talk about, I'd love to get your thoughts on this, is how do we understand and interpret and know if what we're getting is prophecy or if it is the bad pizza from last night? (laughs) Um, You shouldn't wonder. Uh, That's pretty much it. Uh, Here's the thing. All this stuff is just a lot easier and less creepy than you think. Um, uh, With prophecy... uh, Look, it's kind of all the basic rules of communication apply, right? Uh, it's the, like a home analogy to prophecy would be when I tell my kids, go, you know, I tell my daughter, go get, go get my son out of the basement. Go tell him I want to see him. That is the equivalent of prophecy. If my daughter wonders if I just gave her a command, <laughs> she will know very soon, Right? It's the same, same rules apply, right? Uh, a false prophet is one. <laughs> I used to do this to my little sister all the time because she would have the TV remote, and I'd say, hey, mom wants to see you. And that's a false prophet. <laughs> uh, Did, but, didn't they kill false prophets? Yeah, <laughs> but she was little. So, uh, so uh, basically, if you wonder, hey, okay, so prophecy is not a message from God to you. That's different. Prophecy is just, that word just means a message God is giving you for someone else, right? So God talks to people, and he's going to talk to you as an individual, say, hey, uh, we got to talk. That's not prophecy. That's just God talking to you. If God says, hey, I need you to go tell so-and-so something, now you are doing prophecy. Prophecy begins when you say, God said, that's it. Always. So it doesn't matter what ancient text I'm dealing with, it's the same thing. Thus says Shamash, thus says Yahweh, thus says whatever. This is when the deity says something. Mom says this, dad says this. If you wonder, did I get a message to go tell someone this? You do exactly what you would do if you wondered in real life. You go back to the person and say, hey, did I get that right? You want me to say, you want me to say something for you to this person? Then it's on the other person to say yes or no. Uh, basic rules. So let's talk briefly then about the problem with, with uh, superimposing God's voice. Yeah. <laughs> Throughout Scripture, we see some radical accounts of God speaking to man. We see Moses in a burning bush. Well, Moses isn't in the burning bush, but that 
Exodus 3 story, the account. We see a talking donkey. We see God showing up in storms. We see God showing up in uh, weird sacrifices of animals and burnt offerings. And you guys go, you know, celebrate your God over there. And what's the matter? Is he relieving himself? And just there's all kinds of weird accounts wrestling with and what we do then is we, we superimpose and we say, well, that's how God did speak. So unless I have a burning bush, God must not be talking to me. Or unless God wrestles with me, God must not be talking to me. Or unless God parts the waters, or unless it's an audible voice, he must not speak to me. There's two things that I want to address. One, and I want you to talk about this, but the first is why we don't hear the voice of God. And in a book that I just recently read by Dr. Mark Batterson entitled Whisper, and I think I referenced it last week, he made a brilliant statement about hearing God's voice and why we don't hear God's voice or why we misrepresent or misunderstand God's voice. Listen to what Mark Batterson wrote. I wonder if we can't hear God because we expect him to speak like we would. We expect him to speak like we would, and we limit God's abilities to communicate with us because of our own limited experiences with God. How many of us don't understand God, don't hear God, or misrepresent God entirely because of our own limited experiences with God? The first thing. The second thing is we need to be really clear that God is not going to speak to all of us at the same time in the same way. I don't speak to all six of my children at the same time in the same way. They, they're, they're weird creatures. They all hear the same words that come from my mouth, but they all hear it differently. I could say the same thing with all six of them in the room, and then they, they go into like a, a, a discussion for three hours to discuss, what did dad really just say? I said, clean your room. Well, like, what did you mean by that? What do you mean, what did I mean by that? I'm going to get Old Testament and lay some hands on you. You clean your room now. Let me interpret it. I'll tell you, I'm the judge. That, anyway, God doesn't speak the same way to all of us, yet God's... And I want to be really clear about this too. We serve an all-powerful, awesome, sovereign God who has the abilities both then and now and forever to speak however he wants. He can speak through a burning bush. He can speak through angels. He can speak. We're going to clear up in a minute how God most often speaks throughout the, the New Testament in our culture and context. But Scott, talk to me briefly about, talk to us about how God doesn't necessarily speak the same language, prescriptive, descriptive, kind of what we talked about earlier. Yeah, so when you're reading all the crazy stories uh, in the better part of the Bible, which is the Old Testament. Um, uh, What you're looking at is God behaving in a context with a people and their context. What you're interested in is the character of God behind that. What is he after? Now, in your context, he's going to very possibly speak differently. He could speak the same way. That'd be awesome. Write it down. If uh, it, it could be very different. We also know that God speaks to people differently. Um, so, for example, in Genesis, God wrestles Jacob. He doesn't wrestle Abraham, and he certainly doesn't wrestle Isaac. That'd just be mean. That guy had already been pretty well beat up, right? But if you go read the story of Jacob, you are going to want to wrestle that guy. He's a jerk. Dude need to be taken down. So they have this big wrestling match, right? So... Uh, to read these things as if this is what always happens as God speaks, like, no, it doesn't happen like that. It, or all these wars are parting, whatever. The consistent thing that is pre- present through all of those is the people aren't confused about what's going on, and if they are, they ask, Amen. and then God says. So 
what I want you to see is common in Scripture, is there's no back door to figuring out what God is doing. You're not going to get the secret. You're not going to peel back the hood of the universe and figure out, well, this is how I'll know what God wants or what God is doing. If you want to know what he wants, what he's doing or what he will do, you just ask. And sometimes he's not going to tell you right away. Okay, well, Bible says just keep asking. Like, it's, it's just, it's really easy. So look at all those cases of all the crazy stuff. Well, I'm not going to do anything until God sends a whale to eat me, right? Or, or something like that. Look, in every single one of those cases, there is a prophet there that will explain what's going on. This is why God is doing this. And when God speaks directly to individuals about those individuals, they don't hang up the phone as it was and say, wait a minute, I don't understand what God said at all. That doesn't make any sense to me. God just talks to these people. So if you wonder what God is saying, just ask. It's very basic, I think. Yeah, and God speaks to those people, and they'll speak to us in a variety of ways in various manners. He will speak, if he chooses to, in a burning bush or in a whale or in those sorts of circumstances But the one thing that you're going to hear me say throughout that I've been saying for 18 months, and I'm going to keep beating this drum, is that whatever you think you hear God saying, whether it's through other people or through it's your surroundings or it's that uh, that still small voice or it's a circumstance, anything, it all goes right back to his word. All of it. God's word never changes. This is inerrant. It is free from flaw. It is perfect. It is entire revelation. It is complete. And so God will never give you a word or speak to you that is not consistent with his word. So let's talk about this here for just a moment. Circumstances. A lot of times people will look to circumstances, and I've been guilty of this, uh, to determine what God is saying to them. And they'll say, well, this and this and this happened, and so it must mean that this happened. Let me give an example. I talked about it last weekend when I was here preaching from 1 Samuel 3. And I talked about Eli, and I talked about Samuel hearing the voice of God and, and how Samuel wasn't able to identify the voice of God because he had, yet, he had not yet encountered God in a relationship. And Eli had been so distant for so long, he forgot what the voice of God sounded like. There's all kinds of stuff with that as well. But I talked about how last weekend God got a hold of my heart through a strong conversation with my wife, Stacy on Saturday night. It was a very strong one-sided conversation, I might add, where she was uh, encouraging me to stop working so much and uh, was a little disappointed in uh, some of the things that I was doing in terms of how far I was going, how, gone, how, how long I was gone, those types of things. And I said, okay, I, I hear you. I got to go. And I, and I left to go to work. Uh, before I left, I actually had a, a, an encounter with a friend of mine. And this friend of mine made reference to the amount of time that I'm gone and the things that I've got to go on as well. So I came to my office with this stirring in my spirit, and I was frustrated. Within an hour of leaving those two conversations, I read in, a, in, a, in an article as I was finishing preparations for Sunday about Eli and how Eli, didn't matter how successful his ministry was, if he sacrificed his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, on the altar of ministry, that your ministry really isn't successful at all if your family sacrifice, if suffers at your hand. 
So I read that, and I actually took a picture of that article, and as I put my phone down, within 30 seconds, I got a ping to my phone, which was a news article from Washington Post about a woman who had elapsed in time and judgment because she was so busy doing other things, she neglected her kid, and her kid died, and how it changed her life. Now, those were four circumstances, all within one hour, that I said, okay, God, I'm not... I'm stupid, but I'm not dumb. I, you got, you've got my attention. I'm hearing you loud and clear. It was through repetition and it was through circumstances. But what I didn't do is I didn't say, well, the stars aligned and all four of these things must mean this. What I said was, what does Scripture say? And I know what Scripture says about being a God-honoring husband and a God-honoring father. And it took the Lord some prodding through some circumstances to get my attention. The circumstances were not the voice of God. God was clear about what he desired for me in his word already, but he allowed those circumstances to reiterate what I already knew to be true. So I think sometimes we put way too much stock in our circumstances and, and, and perceive that as the voice of God. What Scott just said is with all those crazy things like getting swallowed up by a whale, it always preceded or came uh, after a prophecy. So it wasn't the circumstance. It was the word before the circumstance or after the circumstance that was a fulfillment of the word, yeah? Yeah, circumstances are super dangerous uh, to read. So, for example, in your story, how do you know whether those circumstances are God talking or it's an attack against your calling? How do you know? Because Stacy said, this is what God told me. Oh. <laughs> All right, barring that. Uh, What's dangerous about reading circumstances, and uh, it's the exact same thing that makes you want to do it, is it's pagan. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to giggle like that. That was funny. Uh, uh, it's pagan in the same way that um, they used to rip open sheep. This is great for Mother's Day. And they would read the livers to see how many lobes were there because they believed that inside these animals was essentially the keys to the universe or, or the patterns of the world were, being, were on display. And if you could learn to interpret them, then you could see what the gods were up to. That's the same idea behind astrology, right? That's modern-day stuff. Or tarot cards, same idea. It's that that there's some sort of unfolding, some sort of secret thing here. And if you can interpret it right, you can see what's going on. But what I want you to see is that reading your circumstances, just bare bones, this is happening, therefore God wants X, Y, and Z, uh, you're behaving the same way. Let me give you an example from the Bible. Paul is going to go to Rome to take the gospel to Rome. And on his way, he's engaged in a shipwreck. And he's... uh, uh, He's lost uh, and he's stranded on an island. Well, clearly that was God telling him not to go. No, that is not true. But what's the difference between that and how we behave? Does that make sense? He's reading his circumstance. The circumstance can be a setting, can be a prodding, can be part of what God is doing. But it is, he is not saying only in the circumstance. When the circumstance is there, nudging, your next step is, Lord, What's going on here? Is this, in this world, I'll have many troubles? Or am I supposed to push through? Are you asking me to go back? What's going on, Lord? You don't get to say, this is hard, therefore I should about face. Right? I should adjust fire because this is difficult. Or I should go through with this business deal because all the doors are opened. What if it's taking advantage of the weak or the poor? 
you've already been told not to do that. So what if, but if the doors being open to you are irrelevant, but what if the doors are all shut? That's what I'm saying. The, the circumstances aren't it. And then you're left with an irritating situation. You have nowhere to turn but your God. And now if you're a pagan, you do. You can turn to the stars. You can turn to your tarot cards or rip open a sheep, which we don't do very much. But you could, I suppose. Um, but the Bible is saying is, yeah, I can do all those things. I can work in all those circumstances. But you come talk to me about it. Or I will talk to you about it. You're not going to wonder about it. Um, yeah, I think that covers, I think, the danger of just circumstance. Yeah. So what do you do in the instance where you know like you know that God's calling you to something, but there's multiple somethings? Yeah. That's an interesting one, right? And I'll give an example. Uh, many of you know my story of how I came to Blair, Nebraska. Some of you don't, and I'll spare you the long, drawn-out story, but I will share with you some bullet points so that Scott can help us answer this question. When we moved to Blair, people asked, why did you choose Blair, Nebraska? We actually had four job offers in two weeks. We had an offer in Hesperia, California. We had an offer in Foxborough, Massachusetts. We had an offer in Peoria, Illinois. And we had an offer here in Blair, Nebraska. We had actually, I had flown out to Peoria the day before I drove out here for my second interview. And I was actually supposed to leave on Sunday just to fly out in time to go to Hesperia two days later. When coming here, we went through the process, and I have a really good friend who has been here, pre- he's preached twice already, and he'll, he'll come again in September. Uh, he's a, he's one, of the, one of the brightest Bible minds I know, uh, not as bright as you, but he's close. And uh, he, he's just a great guy. He's, he loves the Lord. He's so talented. He's got 12 kids, so he's got wisdom beyond measure. As I'm talking to Russ, I said, Russ, how do I know like I know like I know that God is calling me to Blair, Nebraska. And he said, well, all right. So we went through this whole thing. And he said, Andrew, do something crazy. Uh, it's a congregational church in part, so they vote on the pastor, right? And I said, yeah. He said, do you know what it takes to pass the vote? And I said, I think it's 75%. And he said, then come up with something ridiculous. Do something crazy like 90% of the people would have to vote you in. And, uh, and he starts laughing, he said, because there's a lot, a lot of people there that don't like you. So if you get voted in, you know, that, uh, you know that that must be from God, right? And it was kind of tongue-in-cheek. But by the time we got done with the interview process, I was emotionally tired. I was physically tired. I was spiritually tired. And as we got the phone call to come back after the vote, we found out that there were 219 people that had uh, submitted votes. 202 people voted yes in favor of us being here. 17 people got it wrong and said no. And, uh, and so they, uh, 93% was the total margin of votes in a yes, which we found out after the fact is the largest margin of yes votes in the history of the church. I could take that and just say, hey, it, thus, it was never thus saith the Lord, but my friend said, so it must be this. But for me, it wasn't the votes. It was a collection of a whole lot of things. So here's what I know for a fact. Why did we choose Blair? Because I knew that God had called me to ministry. I knew that God had called me to preach and teach. I knew that God had called me to a people that he wanted to move away from religion and into a right relationship. I knew that God was calling our family to do some effective ministry. And this was an awesome opportunity. And so as I began to pray, it seemed like God was opening a lot of doors and opportunities for us to come here. And it, it just made sense. But I never had a burning bush. I did have a guy tell me uh, when they offered me the job, I said, I haven't accepted yet. And he did say, I've got guns. 
so that is, that's close to a burning bush, I guess. Assault rifle, burning bush, same, but speak to that. Yeah, okay. So there's a couple things you did right. No, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, no. It's, so God does work in circumstances. God does open doors. Um, God also asks you to continue even when things are difficult, right? But what's consistent in what you did uh, with Scripture is you're seeking the Lord hard. You're having a hard time understanding because all of this stuff is open. And you also sought wise counsel. This is a huge element in Scripture where uh, you, there are people who have gone before you. Uh, and this church is, has a fantastic uh, resource of people who have lived and loved the Lord a long time. And they know how he works. And they've seen him work so many times that they can see it when he's working. Amen. Right? That's good. You ask them. And you can say, hey, I don't know what's going on here. What do I do? And th- they can help direct. Wise counsel is enormous. And then you take that to the Lord again. Lord, I don't know what I'm doing here. Is this where you're just constantly talking? Because a lot of the problem here is us. Yeah. There's noise. Mm-hmm. Right? And the Lord in his compassion is aware of the noise and helps us through it, right? So, again, it's basic rules of communication. You are trying to find out what God wants, so you talk to people who know him well. That makes sense, right? You keep talking to him. Turns out, folks for a long time who knew him real well wrote stuff down about him. Like, there's a lot of resources for you that will tell you what's going on. So in your specific circumstance, you kind of did a, a just like a Tommy gun approach. Like, Lord, I want to just everything. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to seek wise counsel. I'm looking at the circumstances. Talk to me. And I'm sure if at any point all the doors had shut, but the Lord was saying, I still need you to go, then you still go, right? right? So... That seems to be it. Yeah. And that is a a fantastic segue into talking about how God still speaks to us today. I want to be really clear in what I'm about to share. God is sovereign. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. He does not falter. God can still speak to us in miracles, signs, and wonders. God still can, in his sovereignty, speak through the burning bushes. He can speak through the, through the, the, the whales. He can wrestle with. He can speak through visions and dreams like he did with Daniel or like he did Joseph. He can speak through uh, tests and, and, and signs in the still small voice. God can speak in all of those ways. I believe that with all my heart. He can speak audibly. I believe that with all my heart. But... Let's be really clear about what Scripture offers in, uh, in, in regards to how God will speak in, in our times most, most prominently. I'll say it that way. Let me read from Hebrews, and I'm just going to read a couple of verses from Hebrews chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways. We've just addressed a lot of those. To our ancestors through the prophets. Listen to that. Many times God spoke in many ways to our ancestors. So times and ways, but always through the prophets. Then it says, and now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. Jesus Christ came and is the ultimate voice 
and we have the complete revelation through Scripture. And so let's look at what Jesus says primarily then. If what Scripture teaches us is that God many times, many ways through prophets does, can, and will speak, but he still speaks today through his son. Let's examine what Jesus says about how God speaks. He says things like, my will is to do the will of my father. And if it were not so, if my father had not told me so, I wouldn't have said this or done this. And so we see, consistent with Old Testament and New Testament, we see God speak in several ways, but there are three primary in the New Testament I want to talk about. One is God speaks through his son, Jesus Christ, which we can learn all of that through Scripture. Number two, God speaks through the Holy Spirit in our lives. That when we come into a right relationship with Jesus, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to have Scott talk about that in a moment, what that looks like. The Holy Spirit will speak to us. And then number three, uh, that God will speak to us through the counsel of the wise, which Scott just talked about. Those who walk with God, who know God, who know his word. And then there's a fourth one that we talked about early on is God still speaks through prophecy. But let's talk about that right now, Scott, for a few minutes. Let's talk about how God speaks. Uh, don't worry about the clock. I never do. <clears throat> so so let's, uh, let's, let's talk about how God speaks to us today in relationship to Hebrews 1 and, uh, and, and how, what, specifically the New Testament, those four things. Jesus Christ, Scripture, yeah. Holy Spirit, Council of the Wives, and Prophecy. Okay, so I'm Old Testament. I don't know anything about Jesus first. That's not true. Sec- okay. Totally kidding, guys. That was a joke. <laughs> There's some of them going, wait, hold on. <laughs> no, okay. So I think speaking to us through uh, Jesus Christ, there's a couple ways that that happens. It's very interesting. One, you have the teachings of Christ written down, which is remarkable. You get to uh, know what your master taught. Uh, that's amazing. Second of all, through Jesus Christ... You have essentially the embodiment of all the teachings. Well, what I mean by that is God is this super epic, awesome, powerful thing, right? And we're down here totally screwed up, crying out for God. And God's like, I gotcha. And he comes down here, right? And then pulls us up. So when we sit and wonder, well, what does God want me to do? That. Do that. You have lots that he's taught you how to do and shown you how to do by, by Jesus. He came to seek and save the lost. Are you doing the same thing? Mm. Wow. Uh, you have a lot to do. Amen. You have to seek the Lord. There, you have to help the poor and the needy. You don't get to hurt people. You have to be kind and gentle. You have to uh, give, uh, rejoice in the Lord always. Remember, it talks about remembering and telling stories about who God is. Seeking wisdom. Like, you have lots to do, right? There is a lot of seeking to do. A lot, a lot of he's told you what to do. Uh, so, I would say with the Jesus one, that's what it brings to my mind. You actually get his teaching. Uh, what's the second one? Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, uh, I think... One of the most interesting things about the Holy Spirit, first of all, when you're reading the Old Testament, you've got to understand, those folks didn't have that. They don't get to walk around as little temples like you guys do, right? However, there is something common between us and the Old Testament folks. When in the Old Testament, people, the prophets would come and say, hey, you're, 
you're in sin, repent. You know what folks would do? Kill them. So you actually, we actually behave in a very similar way with the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit's like, hey, hey, we're like, shut up. <laughs> you're doing essentially the same thing. You're muting the voice of God. And it is as dangerous for us as it was for them. It's, it is, again, back to communication and relationship. If you silence the person talking to you, you do damage to the relationship. You create distance. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, be mindful of that, I think, with the Holy Spirit. And it will talk. The Council of Wise. Council of Wise. you got to get that in your life. That's discipleship. Uh, uh, you, you just have to have that. If you, if you look for all of these things, you have God speaking to you in the Holy Spirit. You have the life and teachings of Jesus Christ and the entire Bible. You have this, these people all around you who have lived and loved the Lord for ages. If you are not near to these things, y'all, you're up a creek. <laughs> so, I, I mean. Otherwise, you're just reading circumstances, and you're just a great pagan. So It uh, sounds vaguely familiar to me, but are you suggesting that the, the primary and the most important piece of all of this is a relationship with God? Yes. It is just relational. And if you cap off the access to the relationship, you're going to start noticing all the effects. If you want to hear from God... Mm-hmm. You pursue the relationship. Amen. That's the end of it. Yeah. Right? You want to get nearer to the voice of God? Get nearer to God. You invest daily. You pray all the time. You seek wise counsel and put that voice in your life. You obey the promptings of the Spirit. And when you don't know what God is saying, you ask Him. But you spend your life running away from the Lord and you're 10,000 miles away and then all of a sudden you need Him. Look, you're going to reap what you sow on this, right? I mean, you're going to be far away. Draw near, and you'll hear it. Yeah, so a funny thing is happening right now. The band is subtly telling me that it's time to be done. (laughs) But as soon as you start talking about a relationship with God, and if you want to hear the voice of God, you've got to be in relationship, this this blood in my body starts to boil, and I want to start preaching. And so... Uh, go ahead and get it out your body. I'm just kidding. I won't do that. But I, I do want you to know with all my heart, with all sincerity, if you're here this morning and you're struggling, you're wrestling, you're working through the idea of how, how do I hear from God? And we have tried to look at the Bible and say, well, God spoke to this person that way. And I heard this story about this there and that there. We can't be, um, uh, we can't be looking at that and superimposing what God spoke to somebody else in a very, dis- in a very prescriptive manner on our lives. Uh, we have to go to what we know now to be true. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to hear the voice of God, pick up his mouth pick up his voice and learn it know it study it seek to understand it and apply it surround yourself with people who are going to help you be better that's why i have scots in my life he is a part of my council of the wise 
Listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Listen to those. Uh, he said it last service. It was brilliant. Just that nudge, like the hey, that the conviction. It's the Holy Spirit convicting us over and over and over again. You know what that is. God, there's just, there's, when you know God, he takes all the guesswork out of what you're supposed to do. Let me give you an example. I will close with this example. And let me, before we close with this example, let me say this. I told you you'd be frustrated because I guarantee you have a lot more questions than you do answers right now. But we're so blessed. Scott and Anna, not only are they a part of our church, but he is, um, he uses his gifts that God has given him every single Sunday at 915 in our fellowship hall to teach. Scott actually teaches what is probably the equivalent of a seminary-level education uh, through the Bible in brilliant ways. And so I want to encourage you, maybe come at 11 o'clock so that you can go to his class at 9.15 and just make plans of staying for... That does not get you off the hook of coming here to hear me. He's better than me, I get it, but you're, you just, we got to be in community with each other. And, and I have things to say. All right, so here, 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 I'll, I'll finish with this about relationships. And when you know the Word of God and you know Papa God... You know his voice. You know what he wants for you. My children know me. They know what I'm about. They know what I stand for. They know what I care about. If my children get invited to a, a, a party after a football game on a Friday night where there's going to be drinking and there's going to be sexting and there's going to be fights and there's going to be all kinds of stupidity, I guarantee you my children don't have to sit down and ask themselves, I wonder if my dad would be cool if I did this. What they would be thinking to themselves is, if I even think about going, he's going to perform my memorial service at an early age. He will kill me. Because they know me. And if they have a doubt in their mind about what I desire for them, they will inevitably pick up the phone and call me and say, Hey, Dad, this is what I've got going on. This is what I was invited to. What do you think? If you ever wonder what God wants for your life, it's all right here. He takes all the guesswork out. And if you still question, Scott said it. You go to Papa God and you say, God, help us. Help me understand. Make it clear. Hey, guys, if you have had a good time today and you appreciate my friend as much as I do, would you please thank Scott for joining me today? <laughs> Father, I thank you for this morning. Yeah, you can go. I'm praying. You can go. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to hang out and to have this conversation. Lord, this is a beautiful conversation. And I pray that today we would be encouraged and, and sharpened and better for having been here. And I pray for each and every one of us as we leave this morning that we will seek to hear you all the more clearly as we enter into a relationship with you all the more intentionally. We pray in Jesus' name.